Welcome to the men's global live stream. If you have a Bible, I want you to hold two spots, one in Isaiah chapter six and the other in 1 Kings 17. Isaiah six, 1 Kings 17. We're in part two of a series called, You Are Here. And you might have seen a sign that says, you are here. Maybe you go to the mall, you're at the front of the mall, there's a map that says, you are here. Maybe you go to a trailhead, there's a map of all the, the hiking trails and it says, and you are here. Maybe you just look on your phone and, and someone says, hey, let me know where you are and you drop a pin. And that tells you that you are here. And the big idea that we have for this series is that God has purposed God's man, God has placed God's man uh, to execute God's plan right where you are. You are here. So there's a sticky statement that you can write down that sort of summarizes uh, what we're trying to get into the heart and chest of every man listening today. And that is this, wherever I find myself to be, a mission is there for me. Wherever I find myself to be, a mission is there for me. Why? Because of what we just talked about. God has placed God's man, God has purposed God's man to execute God's plan right where he is. And to get us thinking right about where we are at any given moment as it's connected to God's plan. Imagine, you know, you're, you're driving on the freeway and you roll up on an accident that just happened. You can see that it's bad and there's injuries. Random encounter or God's plan, what are you gonna do? Right? Or maybe you're walking out of the grocery store and there's someone sitting on the curb with a cardboard sign asking for help. Random encounter or God's plan, what are you gonna do? Right? Or maybe you've been sensing at a restaurant that the waiter or waitress, it's just they're distressed. There's something wrong, their body language, their look, uh, their, their facial expressions. Something's not right. Is that a random encounter? Or is it God's plan that you're there? What do you do? Or lastly, maybe you board a flight, you grab your seat, someone sits next to you in your aisle, in the seat next to you, random encounter or God's plan. You see, either you believe that God sees everything, God sees everyone, and he brings people to where you are for a purpose or it's just by chance, there's no higher intention. You know, we just happen to be at the same place at the same time. Now, the Bible reveals the former view that God sees you, God sees others, God is creating connections and moments, and listen, wants to do miracles in creating those connections in people's lives, but we have to believe that and we have to listen to God. So in part two of the series, You Are Here, we're gonna recognize that biblical reality that for God's man, there's no such thing as a random encounter. And we wanna increase our awareness of that reality that the Bible reflects. We wanna increase our active participation in what God is up to all around us. And here's a blessing, we also wanna increase the quality of our eternity, right? 
Because as we do that, as we are more aware and as we actively participate in the encounters that God has for us right where we are, the Bible says that we are increasing the quality of our eternity. Jesus said our eternal gain is proportional to our earthly commitment to God's will and to God's way. So what we want to do is we want to see how God activates men uh, right where they are uh, right where they're strategically placed, and how he kind of chooses to do that. You know, God can activate a man in the best, most meaningful way for that man individually. And I want to start right at the top of your notes with example number one, who is Isaiah. And we want to see how God activates him, and then we want to draw some lessons out of that. We'll look at a couple other men before we get into the main body of our session today. So let's look at Isaiah chapter six. Let's see how God activates Isaiah. Starts here in verse one. I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I'm ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I send me. Wow. You've got a power encounter with God himself, just a vision that we need to unpack. And as a result, it activates God's man to accept his mission and call. So let's look at a few things real simple. Number one, we see a real encounter with God. Now, this is like a Hollywood special effects film, but it's not. It actually happened to Isaiah. He has a vision of heaven. He gets into the presence of God and he gets to see what's going on there. And as he's having that real encounter in God's presence, the second thing happens. He has a real encounter with himself where he sees God for who he is, and then all of a sudden, as he's looking and as he's seeing God and the declaration of who he is, which is holy, seeing that vision then gives him a real encounter with himself, and he recognizes, man, I'm, I'm not. And then that leads to the third thing that happens. He has a real encounter with forgiveness that to be in God's presence and to be in the presence of God Almighty, 
the mighty and holy God who created everything, you sense, oh my goodness, I'm me, I'm flawed, I'm broken. And then the angel takes one of the coals and touches his lips and said, your guilt is taken away. What a relief. What a relief to be in God's presence, to recognize how separated we are from him, and then to have that anxiety over the difference between his character and mine atoned for with forgiveness. And then fourth, we see a real encounter with God's call. It's kind of like the dominoes fall, right? He sees God and it's unbelievable. Then he sees himself and how how broken he is and how different from God he is. And then there is this magic moment of forgiveness where connection is made possible. And then there's this connection with God's call. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now see a man that has connected with them, connected with God, and then there's a call. And it's God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and a man, and they want him activated after having this power encounter with with God himself. And then lastly, we see a real embrace of God's purpose. This whole experience has now reshaped Isaiah where he's now ready to say, and I said, here I am, send me. And it's just a beautiful picture of a man coming into contact with God, recognizing that God is holy, recognizing that he is sinful, and then there's this transaction of forgiveness. And then right on the heels of that, what does God decide to do? To activate him after this encounter and call him and give him an opportunity. Who's going to go for us? Who, who can we send? And then Isaiah's right there. And he says, man, here am I. Send me. Does that sound familiar? Many of us watching this right now, we've had a real encounter with God. And when we did that, we realized the separation that we had from God because of our our shortcomings and our flaws and our sin. And then God, through Jesus Christ, created a way for us to be connected to him and to be in his presence and to have an ongoing relationship. And he took Jesus and he touched our lives with his blood and said, your guilt is taken away. And then God called us. Who, who will I send? Who will go for us? And, and here we are. God send me. That's Isaiah. All right. So sometimes God uses a power encounter, right, to activate God's man right where he is into a mission. There's a couple other examples I have. The other examples are Abraham and Moses. In Genesis 22, 1, we see how God activated Moses. It says this, sometime later, I mean, Abraham, it says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to, he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And so God chose to activate Isaiah through a power encounter with God himself and the experience of forgiveness. With Abraham, God tested him. God put him into a pressure-filled situation and then called him in the midst of that. Wow, 
Okay. Then you look at Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 4, and it says this, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Right? So with Isaiah, it's a power encounter, a vision of heaven and God, and an experience of forgiveness. With Abraham, he gets put in a pressure cooker, and God calls him there. Uh, with Moses, it's an actual, literal, visual phenomenon. God gets his attention. So I share those with you because those are the methods and ways, all personal to those men, where God activated them right where they are. And the response is the same. Isaiah says, here I am, send me. Abraham in the test says, here I am. And then Moses says, here I am. So it didn't matter really the way God activated them, but God wanted to do that. He wanted them activated right where they are. And, and what those responses are modeling is meant for us. There are many guys watching this live stream, thousands. And I know that in many of your lives, I can just see right past this, this camera in front of me. I can see right into kind of your lives, God doing the same thing. He's using circumstances. He's using an experience of forgiveness. He's using some phenomena to get you to a place, right, where he can just go, who will go for us? Will you go for me? And the Holy Spirit is, pro is, is welling up, and you, you're just like, all right, here I am. And that's, that's really uh, the whole point of just kind of this introduction is to get us really thinking like, what's God doing in our lives? And God wants to activate us where we are. And in that moment of activation, are we gonna respond? And are we gonna be used to execute God's purposes? All three of these guys were used to execute God's powerful purpose right where they were, all right? Now, let's get to man number four. His name is Elijah, and that's where I want you to turn if you were if you were holding that spot in first, set, first Kings chapter 17, I want you to open to there. And sort of the headline with Elijah, I just created one myself. It's like, hey, Elijah, I want you to meet someone who needs you. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna kinda take the story in parts, work our way right through scripture, kinda take scene one and see the result, scene two and see the result. And God is going to reveal um, the way he works with us through showing us how he worked with Elijah. So let's, let's get into the story. We're gonna read uh, seven verses and then we're gonna unpack it and then we're gonna see what the result was in kind of this scene one, right? Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, quote, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? She was going to get it. As she was going to get it, he called and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. 
I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, listen, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Wow. Okay. So there's Elijah right where he is. Elijah is in need. And then there's this second character that God just like, boop, 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 boop. And now they're going to have this encounter with each other. And let's just make some simple observations. Number one, what we see is a man and woman in need. All right, you got Elijah, he needs food, and though the woman doesn't know it, she needs the man of God to prompt her and participate and to be present for a need she has in the moment, and as we, as the story unfolds, for another need she doesn't even know she's going to have. So you have a man and a woman in need. Secondly, we see God over this boop, boop, boop. It's, it's a God who is bringing them together, a God who wants to meet their needs. And he is, in a supernatural way, creating this connection between two perfect strangers, all right? Number three, what we see is a big, fat, hairy, audacious ask, all right? This is, this, is a, this is a huge ask for Elijah, imagine. Okay, uh, I do need supply of water and food. And then, okay, there's a widow. And then I ask the widow and she tells me like, hey, I'm gathering sticks because I'm having, you know, my death row meal with my son. Then we're gonna die, right? And then God, you want me to ask this woman who's creating that meal to make a little extra for me? Come on. Man, that's a big ask, right? And then for the woman, you know, it's just the opposite. It's like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, I have nothing. I got a little bit of flour. I got a little bit of oil. I have enough to make just enough for my son and I. There's no ongoing supply for us. So we're gonna eat it and die. I mean, I just can't imagine. I mean, how starving this poor widow was and so we see a big ask. There's a big request uh, made of both Elijah and of the, the woman in the moment. And there's like a tension. You know, it's like, I don't know if I want to do this with you. But then you see Elijah come with what we observe next, which is a word of promise to, to multiply. He, he calms her down. He says, don't, don't be afraid. Go home. Do as you would normally do, but make, make something for me and then make something for your son. And then he gives her a prophetic word. Like God speaks to him. It's like, tell her this, all right? That the jar of flour is not gonna be used up and the jug of oil is not gonna run dry until I send rain. And so she hears that from the man of God. She hears a word of God from the man of God and she 
she listens. So what's the result? All right, let's look at verses 15 and 16. Just follow the story. It says this, she went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry. In keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So you've got two complete strangers, brought together. They both have a need. God wants to meet those needs. And then God makes a big request of faith. They step off the ledge. Isaiah asks. He brings a word of promise for God to multiply. She goes away and does as Elijah asks. And then, boom, Elijah listens to God. The widow listens to God. And then three things happen, right? God manifests his power. That's number one. God multiplies his provision and God makes good on his promise, right? Manifestation of power, multiplication of provision. Then God makes good on his promise. Do you see how God above this situation already knows what he wants to do, but he's calling two people into it. He's got the man of God and someone in need, and they're both going to get those needs met by God, but He's letting them participate in what he's already planning to do. It's super cool. And so we see how God manifests his power, God multiplies provision, and God makes good on on a promise. So after God placing these two strangers together and doing those things, you saw in, in verse 15 and 16 that, well, God supplied every day. I mean, it's like, well, God's providing, so let's let's hang out. And I, Elijah becomes kind of like a, a permanent house guest uh, of the widow and the son and her family. And now we see another story start to unfold and the real reason for, for bringing these two together that God saw that they didn't, they're probably just thinking, wow, it's really great that I met you. Uh, we have a supernatural provision going on, and we're gonna we're gonna milk it for all it's worth. All right, but then time passes, and we pick up the story in verse 17 of First Kings 17. It says this: Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse, and finally, he stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, "What have you? What do you have against me, man of God?" Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. And he took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. And then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. Whoa, imagine being Elijah. Boop, boop, boop. You get pulled together. It's this crazy connection with a crazy ask and a crazy promise from God, but then boom, a manifestation of power, a multiplication of provision happens. God makes good. 
on his promise. Now you're you're bonded. You have the power of a shared experience, and you're you're kind of staying with this person, and and uh, you're sharing life. You're doing life, and then all of a sudden, you know, nine one one. Okay, there's an illness, and Elijah's watching it, and then the the perception when the son dies is, oh my goodness, God's judging me for my sin. And we can we can see because of the context that perhaps the son was born out of wedlock. There is a sense in the woman of, oh, I get it. You sent the man of God to judge me for my sin because I had this this boy, you know, out of wedlock. And Elijah has a moment, right? They're together. Now it's a new moment. And now it's the real reason they're together. Give me your son. He's the man of God. He's present. There's an even greater need, and it's life and death. And we have this supernatural prayer CPR that resuscitates the son. And so let's let's now look at the real reason. Let's look at God's deeper purposes, all right? Number one, God's deeper purposes exist beyond the presenting needs, okay? They exist beyond the presenting need. Well, the presenting need that brought them together is that there's famine in the land, there's no rain, you got a starving prophet and a widow with a little flour and oil, and that's the presenting need. God wants to meet that need, but in bringing these two together and informing this connection between them, there was a need beyond the presenting need. It's like, I had a, I had a, a clothing representative visit me, and he, he told me he had a gift, um, and he was bringing a couple shirts from his boss to me. Um, they're really nice shirts, and I was grateful. It was a Christmas present, and the representative uh, at his boss's direction said, "Hey, I want to bless Kenny with a couple shirts." I'm like, okay, great. So the guy comes to my office, and you know he. He takes my measurements and he eventually kind of brings me the shirts and then he sits down on my couch and he kind of looks around my office and he says, wait, he goes, are you connected to every man? And I said, mm, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and he takes out his phone and he goes, I have it on my phone. I read it every day. And then these tears start coming down his face and he's just like, I didn't know that this is where I was going. And all of a sudden we started talking and then we started um, asking questions. And then I started asking him questions about his life and his relationship with God. And then, and then all of a sudden the presenting need was totally out of the way. And then there was the deeper purposes. And I can just tell you to this day that that guy is connected. He's in a men's group. He just is, came back from the Middle East going on a missions trip. I mean, there was a whole unfolding behind the presenting need. Why do I share that with you? Is that you have no idea what God who's above our circumstances and bringing together these encounters with people, what God has on the other side of the presenting need. The second thing we see is God's deeper purposes exhaust man's abilities. So there was a deeper purpose for bringing Elijah and the widow together. God saw that there needed to be a man of God there when the son had a 
had a physical emergency and he dies. But even that, Elijah can't breathe life into this guy, but God can. And so the widow's ability to save her son, not there. Elijah's ability to, to save the son, not there. But the man of God who knows God and knows who he is knows what to do. Because when you know who you are, you know what to do. When you're a man of God, you know what to do. You call on God because he is infinite and he's powerful and he has enough power supply because he's infinite to bring power into this situation. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? I had a girl present herself at a prayer meeting to me and she said, I have had chronic back pain. I used to be a soccer player and I just want prayer for my back. And, and I looked at her and I said, you know, I don't have any power to help you, but do you believe that Jesus has the power to help you? And she says, yes, I do. And so we, you know, we prayed for God to unlock what was locked up, to calm those angry nerves in her back. And, and after I prayed for her, it wasn't like she started running around the room, but I knew that God had healed her. God had given me great faith and I, I, enough to say, now I want you to test it. I want, you, I want you to thank God for your healing tonight and I want you tomorrow, I want you to go for a run. And I, I'm telling you, uh, I was saying it in faith, but God had, had spoken that to my spirit, like I'm healing this person. Do you know that last Sunday I saw this gal and she was on the drum kit in our worship service. God has fully healed her. She's back on the drum kit. She's back doing activities. And you see, when you're in a situation and you're a man of God, you got nothing if you're thinking about just your ability. But if you remember who you are and when you know who you are and you know who you're connected to, you know what to do. Elijah did that. He said, give me your son because he knew who God was. See how that vision of God, like, God, you can do this. I, I know that I'm speaking to some men right now. You're going to have an encounter. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the need's going to be. But I know that God is going to bring you into an encounter and you have no ability. But you know a mighty God who has all ability. And you are going to call on your mighty God and call down the kingdom of God on a person, on a need, on a situation. Don't shrink back. Step in. Be there. Because you have the power. You have the relationship. You're the person, boop, 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 who's going to make it happen. You are the person. God's going to flow his power through you. Through you. Just have faith. Remember who you are and do what your identity tells you to do. Third thing we see is God's deeper purposes empower faith through action. See, it's one thing to know God, but what is faith? It's committing without knowing. Elijah couldn't know before the fact that God was going to answer his prayer. So faith is committing without knowing, and it looks like an action and taking a specific action. For that word that I just spoke over 
hundreds of guys who are going to walk into a situation and they're, they're going to be called in to do something like this, where there's a deeper purpose that exists beyond the presenting need. You're not going to have the ability, but God's going to empower your faith through action. You got to physically get involved. All right. That's what the Lord is speaking. So what was the result? All right. Elijah prays, let this boy's life return. Let's look at verses 22 to 24. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. And then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Dang, man, what a day for Elijah. What a story to tell. And this, this encounter has traveled through time by the Spirit of God to you and I so that we can see God's deeper purposes and the real reason. why the man of God was brought into the life of another person right where he was, all right? We see the real reason, write this down, of resurrection. The real reason of resurrection. Now, in the story, it's God brings life from death, all right? Do you know that God loves to bring life from death? If you're a man of God, your story involves God bringing life resurrection life from death to show his mighty power. You know that God loves to bring dead marriages to life. God loves to bring dead emotions to life. Do you know that God likes to resurrect dead opportunities and bring them to life and manifest his power? God loves to bring to life dead passions. God likes to bring dead souls and fill them with the Spirit of Christ and bring them to life. The real reason of resurrection. And it might not be a physical resurrection, but God loves to make dead things live because he can and he wants to use you. Secondly, the real reason we see of reunion. You know, when, when you're separated from someone you love through death, and this is a small child, because he carried it, and he says, look, your son's alive. And he gives him to his mother. Man, God loves reunion. He wanted to be reunited with us when we were separated from him. See how the gospel is so relevant to every encounter that we have that looks like a perfect stranger? Resurrection, life from death, reunion, relationship, relationship with God. Maybe it's relationship with others. But no man of God, when you step into your situation, God wants to bring life and he wants to bring reunion and reconciliation with him and with people as you go to minister. You know, God hates loneliness. 
He wants to know us. He wants people to know him. He wants us to know each other. It's not good for people to be alone. God hates loneliness, and he's going to use you to help execute his heart for people, to help them connect with him and perhaps with other people. The third real reason we see is the real reason of revelation. So the real reason of resurrection, the real reason of reunion, the real reason of revelation. The first is a physical revelation. Look, your son's alive, okay? That's revelation number one, but here comes the other revelation. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know. Powerful words. If you have your notes, circle those words. Now I know. Now I know a couple things. Elijah, you're the real deal. You're a real man of God. And now I know that God is real. Wow. And that his words in your mouth are his words. Drop the mic. Elijah, as a servant of the Lord in that moment, I think he probably went, all right, Lord, you can take me right now. And we're, we're at the peak of <laughs> this encounter. But you know what? There were other encounters that God had. Don't you want to know what Elijah felt? I do. I want to be available. And you know what? There's opportunities all around us. God is above us. God sees us. God's boop, 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 boop. You are here. All right? Wherever I find myself to be, there is a mission of God for me. Take that in to your, to your chest. Just, mm, there it is. Boom, let it in. Wherever I find myself to be, there's a mission of God for me. And God wants resurrection. God wants reunion. God wants a revelation. You know, that aha moment for someone to go, you know what? This dude is the real deal. He's a man of God, all right, who knows God and speaks God's word and God uses him, God is real. That's what we're all about. This live stream community, the dangerous good movement, it's about coming into spaces, bringing God's love, bringing God's justice, bringing God's power, bringing God's presence, executing kingdom plans that God wants to use us to do. And guys, there's 700 million of us around the world that name the name of Jesus. You're one of them. And God's got plans for you. So Elijah, he says, here I am. Let's go. Will you say the same thing? When God brings you, boop, 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 into your situation, Today, tomorrow, or the next day, I don't know when it's going to come, but God does not waste his assets. Man of God, you're an asset. You're an ambassador for the king. You know, Jesus just said it straight to the disciples, right? In John 15, he said, you did not choose me, but I chose you 
and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. That's what happened in this story with Elijah. That's what happened with Moses. That's what happened with Abraham. That's what happened with Isaiah. God chose them, appointed them right where they were so that they might go into situations and bear fruit and bring through prayer the will and power of God in reality. I mean, that's what the Bible's talking about when it says we hold this treasure and this all-surpassing power in a jar of clay. The attention is not on the jar of clay. The attention is on the precious possession and the all-surpassing power that is inside that jar of clay. You and me, jar of clay. I mean, just say it out loud. God, I'm a jar of clay. But God, thank you that I hold this resurrection power through the Holy Spirit that you want to pulse out through me into certain situations where deeper purposes unfold. You manifest your power. You multiply your provision. You make good on your promise as I, as I accept my call. And then your deeper purposes roll out beyond the presenting need. And it's beyond me but you empower my faith and then resurrections and reunions and revelation. People having an aha moment. God, that's what I want. Could you say that right now? God, that's what I want. So God wants to use you, man of God. He wants to use you today. Might not be today, might be tomorrow. Either we believe that God sees you, God sees everyone, and that there are needs present where you are here to meet that need. So what I want us to do is just to have a moment with God. Wherever you are, you could be on a jog right now, all right, on a run. I want you to just pull off the path that you're running on. I just want you to pause you don't have to close your eyes. You can stare. If you're looking at something beautiful, keep staring at it because you're going to pray with me. If you're in your living room, I want you to set down your pencil and put down your coffee, and I want you to just get quiet um, before the Lord. Maybe you're at work, okay? Can you just put your head on your desk? Or maybe you're in your car, all right? Keep your hands on the wheel, eyes up front. You can just listen with your spirit as your body and your eyes are careful with your driving, but I want all of us to pray right now. God, you wanna use us. You wanna use us. We don't understand why, because we're broken, we're sick. If you're like me, twisted. I'm so flawed, God, but I'm sure all of these guys too had their issues. And yet, because you saw us and chose us and appointed us, you want to bring life to dead situations. You want to bring connection where there is separation. You want to bring an aha moment where people see the reality of who you are and they move from cloudiness 
and blindness and confusion to clarity and connection with you, God. So God, thank you that I am right this second where I am because you put me here. God, thank you that you want to bring me into situations. God, thank you that you want your power manifested through this jar of clay. And I'm declaring now my willingness to let your power flow through me, to let your provision multiply, and to let your promise to people be fulfilled, that they have an encounter with you using me. God, thank you that you chose and appointed Isaiah. You chose and appointed Abraham for his moment in time, right where he was, Moses, Elijah, all the great men of the Bible. You chose them, you appointed them in their hour to fulfill your deeper purposes. Lord, so raise our awareness, Holy Spirit. Activate our participation, Holy Spirit. Help us move in faith. And then, Lord, help us to enjoy in eternity the choices we made on earth by your power. So fill us and use us today. We ask in Jesus' name for all these men listening to this podcast, and we declare it for his glory. Amen. Wow, what a powerful study. God's got, God's gathering his sons. He wants all of his sons back. He wants all of his sons activated. He wants all of his sons bringing his love and justice into the little and big spaces of their lives with people that need Jesus. All right, thanks for joining us this week. Why don't you share this podcast uh, with a friend? And we'll see you next Thursday.